if you come from where I come from, like not a lot of money, the big belief is that, oh, once I have money, people are going to look at me different. You cannot be afraid to be a person that is wealthy because you think other wealthy people are bad. Welcome back to Big Queen Energy. I'm your girl, Nicole Rose, with the podcast all about the mindset of a true queen. I'm a semi retired DJ turned podcaster obsessed with positivity, psychology, and manifestation. Here to support you on your journey to attracting your dreams. Let's get it. Welcome back to another episode of Big Queen Energy, my dears. It is so amazing to be in this space with you, and I am so excited about today's show. We are talking about up-leveling your money mindset to slay it with an incredible woman who I was connected to on the internet through friends of a friend and realizing we probably met before in a different lifetime. Jamie King is also known as the Slay Coach. She's a beauty school dropout, mom of three who built a multi-million dollar company and curses about as much as we do, has purple hair, and is about as extra as all of us. You guys are going to absolutely love her. Now she works to help creatives and entrepreneurs scale their businesses to six figures and just absolutely kill it in their professional lives. She shares all of her incredible breadth of knowledge and more on her podcast, Slay Boss Radio, and in her business courses online. So if you want more of what we're talking about today, you can buy it on her website and I will have her share all the things and we'll link to them below. I am so excited to welcome Queen Jamie on the show to slay it today. I'm so excited to be here. What a good intro. I am super stoked to talk to you. We haven't done an episode about money vibes in a while, but you know what's funny? I'll share something. Even along our journey, right, as we evolve, as we become more spiritual, as we kind of wake up to the ways of our own personality, you notice different things come up for you, right? Like when you're hitting the next level, right? And I had one of those moments recently and I was like, I'm just, I'm thinking about this money situation of mine all wrong. And it's like old stuff coming up and I need to reframe all this. Money is, there's no, it's the work is never done with money. And I love, love talking talking about money from an autonomous place and not from a projecting place of what money means to myself or what money means to Nicole Rose, like, like really getting intimate with your own money story and what money means to you. And so like, I'm super excited to be here because like Nicole said, I'm super extra like her. We must have (laughs) my sister from another mister past life together, you know, like it's, oftentimes where I feel so safe in spaces like this, where I, you know, don't have to shrink myself or like calm my energy or, (laughs) you know, like I get to be all fully of me. So I'm excited to be that with your audience today and to talk about money because I'm just a beauty school dropout. Like I have no college education. 
I hustled up the corporate ladder. I got knocked up at 19. I'm, I'm the stereotypical, like girl from Kentucky gets knocked up at 19. That is wild. And you're from the other Lou and we're proud girl. We're Midwest girls at heart. So let's dig into that. I love that. I want to hear all about your story, your journey. It's super inspiring. I dug, like you said, all the way down on your Instagram to when you used to be a fitness coach and you had blonde hair and now you have purple hair and you're doing a completely different business. Like you just always hustled. You kept pivoting. You kept probably, you kept your mindset in a good place to be able to just keep at it without letting any of these things that you went through in life drag you down. So can you tell us a little bit more about your journey and how you became this beautiful coach? I want this to be like an inspiration to the girls who were the underdogs or who had a chip on their shoulder or who, I don't know, like I was in the cool crowd, but only because I was a jock. (laughs) I was really good at basketball, but like none of the boys wanted to date me. I was like the ugly duckling that when I like glue up, the glow up, the glue up, the glow up, (laughs) yeah, the glow up. Past tense, when I finally glowed up, everybody was like, oh, what happened to you after high school? (laughs) You know, like I was not the hot girl. Like, I mean, I was not tragic or anything, but like I got made fun of a lot. Like as a kid, I had a back brace and I had scoliosis. And before my mom got the typical like middle-class success job, we were really low income. And this is why I love to talk about money is that like, I remember specifically going to the store with my mother with a calculator because we had to take a calculator to the store to know how much we were able to write a check for or spend because we only had a certain amount of cash for the month. And so I remember going to school lunches and wondering why my lunch was free, but other people paid. And, you know, when you're seven, you don't really think a lot into it. And like my parents tried to shield me from those money stories as much as possible. Like we always had a really big Christmas, but all of my Christmas presents were donated by my mom's work. And I didn't know that then. And so we, I I didn't, I got shielded from a lot of the trauma that coming from not having money creates. But my mom worked three jobs. My mom was a hustler. Like my dad was going to college. She was putting my dad through college and he was going to nursing school. And, you know, like I went to a good school, but I like, knew that like we couldn't afford you remember those power wheels like I was a kid model and I you know remember getting donated it was a donated power wheel from the set of a photo shoot and the bottom was cut out of it and so I like Fred Flintstone it because it was a photo shoot prop it didn't have a battery in it So it didn't like run as a power wheel, but we couldn't afford a battery for the power wheel. So like I Fred Flintstone, my power wheel as a kid. And like, I remember that looking like at the poor family in the Catholic school, like giving me their uniforms passed down. And so I remember like all these little micro stories that create your identity of like, oh, you look around you when you're from Southwest Louisville. And you see, you don't see anything nice. You don't see luxury. You see people struggling and working their butt off. And a lot of moms aren't present and a lot of families aren't together. And so this money trauma, you know, became the story that when I was like you, like I I didn't have the New York story. I wanted to move to New York. I was the LA girl. I was going to move to LA. So I feel like a lot of people, dreamers from the Midwest, because I'm from, we say Louisville, not Louisville, um, because we don't want to get it confused with St. Louis. (laughs) <laughs> are we are we rivals no I'm just we're, we're girls we're girls 
So I I dreamed of being a hairstylist in LA because all the girls for homecoming in high school came to me for me to do their updos. I was just always good at mimicking what I saw. And so I'd read the hair magazines and I would do updos, you know, because there was not fucking YouTube back then, y'all. That's how old we are. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to go to the Paul Mitchell School in LA. I'm going to be a celebrity hairstylist. Like that was the thing that I thought I was going to do. Fell in love with a boy, just decided not to move to LA after high school, but I knew that I'm not, not meant for this college thing. Not because I wasn't smart. I was in advanced placement classes. I was an athlete. Once I couldn't play sports anymore, cause I had spine surgery. And once I couldn't play basketball anymore, I was like, well, I'm not going to college. That was the only reason I was going to school was to be in the WNBA to play college basketball. And once I couldn't play ball anymore, I was like, well, what the fuck am I going to do? So I went to hair school. So I did the beauty school thing, right? But when your spine is three-fourths metal, leaning over all day over top of people is very painful. So I was like, oh my God, I got halfway through school and got on the floor and started working on people and realized I can't do this for a living. I'm in so much pain. Like, what the fuck? I've chosen this career path and that's not going to work. So let's pivot there. Oops, 19, gets pregnant, becomes a statistic, right? In Kentucky. No college degree, gets knocked up, working at a restaurant, starts bartending. And like, I was just like, this is not my life. And so I had this really great mentor and I worked in a corporate restaurant environment. I worked at Outback. I had this great female mentor. She was the only women owner. It's called a proprietor. She's like a part owner of her store. She's the only woman out of 22 stores in the Southwest region. And I was like, this bitch is a boss. And she's like, lives in this fancy house and has these, this is my first like upgraded. Cause my mom worked a factory job. Yeah. We were great. Like financially well off after she got that job at Ford, but you know, making 80, 90 grand a year and we were doing okay. But like, once I met this mentor, this like expander for me was my boss at Outback and she managed this restaurant and I was really good at it. And I got promoted really quickly. And so I worked my way up the corporate restaurant like thing. Right. And then once I had my daughter, I witnessed myself shifting my values. Like, Oh my God, this lady who's my hero, my mentor in the restaurant industry, she never sees her kids. I was like, Oh my God, she works. Yeah. She makes multiple six figures a year, but she she's never home. Like, I mean, she works 60 hours a week. I was like, wait, do I want that? No. So that's when I pivoted and applied for the corporate job. I applied 17 times to an entry level position at the big corporation. It's Humana. It's an insurance company. One of the top five big. So you just, wait, hold on. So you just kept applying to the same company? 17 times. (laughs) I mean, I would give you the job. I wouldn't even, after the 17th time, I wouldn't, why would you even interview? This person fucking wants it. People who want it, they show up. Right? Right? 17 times. Because I didn't have a degree. And so the algorithms at the time that were scanning, you know, applicants... I, I guess I just never popped up. And I and I had management experience. I had leadership experience. Like, fuck, I was a mom at that point. Like, I could not yeah. get that job. And so I was like, it's the second largest employer in Louisville. It's, you know, a Fortune 75 company. Like, I was like, I have to get it. This is my my ticket out of, 
you know, making 20, 30 K a year. And so I was like, okay, this is my ticket. And I finally got an interview and I got the job for customer service, answering phones, talking to old people about their Medicare plans and getting yelled at, huh? Can you speak louder? You talk louder? Why did you pay for my drugs? Look, Nana, it's not covered. Okay. So I was like, oh my God, get me off the phones. And we had to commit to a one year on the phones of torture, basically, of customer service. I got a promotion in nine months. I was the first one in my department, the earliest to get a promotion. And so I got a promotion. So I'm 21. I get this cool job that's like got some authority and I loved it. I was like, okay, cool. What's next? Got another promotion in another nine months. And then I start leading people. And then I got like my third promotion in two and a half years. And I became at 24, a site manager over call centers. And so I start managing these call centers. So I, I was doing like what you said, I was doing the corporate thing, climbing the ladder, like making the boom, boom, boom moves, like getting the promotions. And I was traveling every other week to new cities, you know, first class plane tickets. I got to experience luxury because I had so many sky miles and like was traveling so often that I got free upgrades. And I was like, wow, this life is cool. There's a whole other world outside of Louisville. (laughs) And yeah, so that was my first exposure to managing business and understanding the business side of things, of numbers and like strategy and leadership. Like my job was to develop supervisors into better supervisors So yeah, I managed the call centers, but my number one job was to make sure the supervisors became good leaders. And so let me ask you this, did that role, I mean, that essentially was your first coaching role, right? Because you're then just kind of like an executive coach for these management people to rise up and be better team leaders. Yep. And I, but I also had sports coaching experience. So I kind of looked at it how I looked at my kids, like when I coached basketball, I was like, look, these are... Like, cause we are the, uh, they look up to, even though I was younger, you got to think I'm managing 40 year olds. Like they look at, uh, the operations leader as, Oh, the big wigs here, you know, time to get your shit together. They looked up to us. And so I got a lot of slap on the wrist from my upper management because I didn't show up to meetings. I came into work late at 10 o'clock we didn't have a time, like we were salaried. Like I was always the last one to show up and the first one to leave. And I never did the data reports. I didn't analyze the data. I didn't send in like the spreadsheets that I was supposed to, but my call center, I took it from being the worst to the best in six months. And they're like, how is Jamie doing this? I'm like, you fucking care about the people you mentor, you, you coach the people, you put your love and attention into the people. And I've run my business model like that. Now it's like, okay, scale, 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 scale. When you're talking about scaling, yes, you can scale very quickly in the online space, but I have seen why, why our company is still around after the pandemic, after, you know, a ton of controversies that a lot of influencers got, you know, canceled or whatever, like, like, why is our company still around? Because we put the people first, the students first, their results first. So there's a lot of people in this industry, in the coaching industry that put profits over their people. And 
And, and that really became a value shift for us and what made us stand out as a real authentic school. So we teach in Slay School. We have our students that are, become like our family. But that's what I did in my corporate job was to mentor people lead from the front, help them get results and really give a fuck about your students results. And so that was my story with corporate America. I got pregnant. <laughs> I got married, found my husband, got married, got pregnant again. And then I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to travel and work for someone else's dream. You know, I left a $70,000 a year job, but it also had really good stock options and 401k and benefits. Like I walked away from all of that and started all over <laughs> to be a stay-at-home mom. And I started doing network marketing and building a brand on the internet. And I did that for three and a half years and realized I shouldn't be anyone's fitness coach because mama loves her wine. <laughs> they don't call me Rosé for nothing. Right? <laughs> that was the big thing that like caught my eye about you. I was like, yes. We should have had a happy hour. It's never too early. Now that I know for the next one. Kind of how we talked about, like, when we were talking earlier is I was out of alignment. Like, I was talking about fitness, but, like, I was posting a sweaty selfie that I wasn't really that sweaty. I was trying to fake being sweaty because I didn't really want to work out that day, you know? You were putting water droplets on your face. (laughs) Yeah. Look how sweaty I am. I was trying to get my heart rate up just so I could take a picture and then be done with it. So it just wasn't like my vibe. And so I I went from being the top 1% of this network marketing company. I still believe in network marketing if you don't know what you want to do or what kind of coach you want to be, like, just start somewhere, (laughs) you know, like start with something, start your own business, start somewhere. But when my daughter, my, I had my third baby got diagnosed with infantile scoliosis. And then we were, I was looked outwardly successful because I had made it up the ranks of this company, but I wasn't making a ton of money. And so I had replaced my corporate salary enough to like stay home you know, after daycare costs, my bring home was the same amount, but like, then we got slapped with the $12,000 medical bill. And I was like, uh, this is not my life. I'm my friends started GoFundMe for us for my daughter's medical bills. And I'm like, this, no, I'm not receiving money from people. Like the ego, it just hurt in so many ways that I was like, okay, I have to do something. I have to do the business, launch the business that I had always dreamed of launching. And that's when I came up with the Slay Coach and someone told me, you're not qualified to be a business mentor. You're not making multiple six figures a year yet in your business. You can't teach others. And I'm like, I've been teaching others in business since I was 19 years old. (laughs) She didn't know my backstory. Like someone told me, no, I had a discovery call with a coach and she said, no, you can't do that. And I said, fuck you, watch me. Now I make more money than, you know, like the people that I looked up to once in the industry I've surpassed and I surpassed in a year, you know, whatever level you want to call it, but like an influence or income or like, you know, doing big things. I accomplished a lot. We hit multiple six figures our first year and seven in the second. And then I just kept going from there. So when every time you had to pivot, did you feel fear? What it sounds like what motivated you was always to provide more for your family. So that was a big value that motivated your decision to up level and move on, try the next thing and try to take it higher. How did you overcome the fear? There, I never overcame the fear. I'm still a very fearful person. I just trust 
myself and I trust my faith in a higher power that I'm supported. Um, so I think that's a big misconception that people look at people like me and they think, oh, she's fearless. That's why she can do the things that she can do. No, I'm stricken. <laughs> I am terribly riddled with fear. I just, I, I don't have a superpower that makes me immune to fear. Like there's no, you know, like I have looked at why am I doing this? And it's to create financial and generational wealth and security for my family because I didn't have that growing up. And so- So you know your why. Your why is very powerful and you're very, you stayed connected to it every time you made a shift. Yeah, every time I pivoted, it was like, or found myself out of alignment. It went back to, okay, why am I doing this? Someone told me no. So this is for the rebels. This is for the underdogs. This is for the someone who said, you don't have a degree or you- don't have a, this, or you don't have that or whatever. Like, okay, fuck you. Watch me. I had this big chip on my shoulder to build this brand and this business, but really it's, it's like a, it's a, I think it's a nature thing. We're coming from where I came from. I feel like someone has to lead, you know, like someone has to be the one that comes from where I come from and says, look, you can have this too. Like you can have financial security and it's not just about wealth. I think we glamorize, especially in the Kim Kardashians of the world. 1000%. Go off, go off. It's about safety. It's about creating safety in your body and creating a life based on your own personal desires, not what Instagram told you to desire. Our foundational value of our company is freedom. And so for me, that means I turned down seven figures a year of income to be with my family. I turned down at least a million dollars a year. I could be making eight figures a year. Like if I chose that life, I choose to create passive digital assets and real estate investment assets. And we have an Amazon store. We have multiple passive assets. We, we do some crypto. Like we have multiple streams of revenue my husband's an accountant, a financial coach. So he, you know, coaches people on their finances and how to get out of debt and then how to grow their wealth and investments and stuff. But like my goal wasn't because I, I I strayed away from my values and the pandemic made me realize that as I was building this seven figure brand and I built the seven figure brand and now everybody looks at me, okay, well, teach me how to make a million dollars. Teach me how to be you. I'm like, no, wait, I want to teach real people how to create financial security and stability and freedom in their life. Because if you, your goal in life is to be a really present mother, you can't have the goal of building an eight figure influencer brand because you have to prioritize something, something to give. I love what you're saying there. It's about alignment with your core values. So every time that you were pivoting and making a shift, you went back to your why and what your values were, right? Your purpose and your values. And you decided, I'm off track. I'm going to align again. I'm going to get back on the path again. And that's exactly what I did in my career a number of times too. And and for some people, it's intuitive. And for some people, it's not as intuitive, right? But your childhood, your story is beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And it, it's also, it was also entertaining as well. But you went through a lot of things, but I think that helped inform your why, right? And it drove you to become who you are now. So all of that is connected. I think especially in this coaching world, 
we glamorize money over freedom. And so my, my brand has really stood for in the last year to be, because I look at myself as a leader and as a leader in this industry, I've decided that I'm going to be a part of a movement and change to shift the narrative to not just how much money are you making, but how much are your profit margins? What are you reinvesting into assets that are going to make you money over the time? Because if you are on the phone 24-7, always on a podcast interview, always go, 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 you're going to burn out eventually. What is going to sustain you when you can't go, go, go anymore? Or what if grandma dies? Or what if, you know what I mean? Like, what are you in? Life happens, right? Right. What if there's another pandemic? You know what I mean? Like we call it a panoramic, a panini, a a panini. What if there's another panini? (laughs) So, so tell me about this. True or false money is energy. Money is energy. Money is such a flow and a frequency of an exchange of value, dude. Like, like they're so like money is so easy and people, I, I feel like money is literally like, um, like teabagging them, like with their balls, like money is literally teabagging you in the face with opportunity and you can't fucking see it. I'm using a microphone as a visual right now for those who can't see. Like you're literally getting mushroom tips in the face with fuck dick slapped in the face with some fucking money and you can't see it because you don't believe it's possible for you. Like let this story be an expander that you have gifts and you have knowledge and experience that, that is valuable to the world. And so money is an energy and a frequency of receiving an exchange of value because you believe you are valuable and your knowledge is valuable and your expertise is valuable. Does that make sense? So much sense. And I think that also goes to a question of, I think part of the reason people struggle with their beliefs around money, it stems from beliefs around self-worth and purpose, right? So it's like, once you get clarity, like, you know, guys, just so you know, we did a double episode. So there is an episode on Slay Boss Radio with me. And so you can listen to both. We'll link back to each other in the show notes. But we were talking about that kind of with what your beliefs are around your purpose, your why. And when people don't when they haven't taken the time to get clarity and understand themselves and they're lacking that self-esteem or that confidence, then money beliefs start piling up as well, right? So it's like then eventually one day the whole house falls down and you're like, all right, I got to change all of this, right? But so tell me this, what are some tips of yours for us to create better beliefs around money and call in more abundance? First of all, you have to believe that what you already innately have inside of you is enough. So strategically, We talked a lot about clarity. What I'm going to talk about is adding up, make a list of 10 things you've accomplished in your life that other people haven't, or that you're like, if you are in an industry and make a list and I don't give a fuck if you have a business right now or not, or if you're new to entrepreneurship or new to manifesting, if you're in a corporate career, I want you to make a list of 10 accomplishments in your personal life about why you are more qualified than your peers and go write that list and send it to your boss and ask for a raise because this energy isn't just applicable to people that are coaches or people in the online space. Money is an energy of receiving, of knowing, taking power and ownership over your knowing of how fucking good you are at what you do. 
And if you are afraid to announce to the world, whether that be in a corporate setting or a personal business setting or a social media setting or a pitching to brands kind of setting, if you aren't able to to say, look, this is what I can do for you. This is what I bring to the fucking table and flopping your dick out on that table, your big (laughs) putting your dick on that table and saying, look, this is what I bring to the table. This is how it's going to change your life or your business or your company or or the the whatever I do. This is why I deserve this much money in exchange for that. Then you are are never going to receive your full potential of financial like stability. And money is a relationship that you have to nurture and it's not just going out and getting more of it. It's nurturing the money that you have, speaking to it like you would a friend. If you're always saying, oh my God, I'm so broke. I'm always so broke. You're going to continue to fucking be broke. The universe is going to send you more broke ass bitches in your life. The universe is going to send you more people that want to take from you or want to whatever. Or if you have beliefs that like, oh, if you, if you come from where I come from, like not a lot of money, The big belief is that, oh, once I have money, people are going to look at me different. You cannot be afraid to be a person that is wealthy because you think other wealthy people are bad. Boom. Boom. There we go. That's major. I'm sure that resonates with people. Like, you can't be afraid to look like a person that has money. So if you have a story that people with money are bad, if you have a belief that my current people aren't going to accept me into their tribe if I no longer fit a certain financial status. Or a lot of times you gotta be willing to cut some bitches off. Like not everybody is meant to be in your life forever. For sure. I think a lot a lot of people struggle with that. I mean, I've been through that at points too, but then once you see this is what they were here for and that was what it was supposed to be and you just have to enjoy the fact that new connections come along all the time but if you're focused on the old if you're focused on the negative experience of that of the loss right of that friendship or relationship then you're not even awake you're not even aware of all the incredible people just like you and me this is a friendship girl you know but it's like if i'm thinking about that girl that didn't call me back last month i'm not focused on all the opportunity there is to flourish a new relationship with somebody else you know you're, you're literally missing out on opportunity and it's teabagging you in the face for money, friendships, relationships, because you're too busy holding on. And I like to do this analogy of like, when you're trying to level up, picture yourself as a hot air balloon, right? If you've ever seen a hot air balloon, they have ropes tied to them. Usually four ropes on each side attached to the hot air balloon. And they have to release the ropes before it can take off. So how many ropes do you have tied to your hot air balloon? You can blow hot air all day long into that balloon, you're sitting in the basket, blowing the fire, the fire's roaring. You're wondering, why the fuck isn't my balloon taking off into the sky? You have four ropes attached to you, or maybe you've got 10 of people saying, you can't do that. You have detractors in your life. People with money are bad, or you think you're big shit now because you have money, or you got so many followers or whatever. Like, So the ropes are shitty limiting beliefs. And, and people. And people. Limiting beliefs, people environments, like being afraid to leave an environment that's toxic, relationships, whomever. Like there is so much baggage. Like if you look at the sandbags or the ropes that are keeping your hot air balloon on the ground, drop that shit. Like if you want to level up, you won't. Sorry. You won't. I always say the only thing that keeps us, this is something we talk about in, in my mentorship is 
everything's a manifestation, right? And we all directly or indirectly through our energy affect everything that shows up in our life, every outcome. And the only thing that separates you from something that you want is your belief about having it and how you're going to get it, et cetera, right? It's all these beliefs that you've built up over the years and all the other people's beliefs that we've taken on, right? That weren't even our own. (laughs) Other people's baggage. Get your baggage off me. It's grown. For sure. I, I, I so agree with that. So what do you think the connection between money and purpose is? Like how, how do those two concepts interplay? I feel like you're going to have a great take on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited. So if you can tie your purpose into a vision of what your legacy will be that you leave behind, because here's the most true words that anyone could ever tell you you're going to die. You're going to die. And how do you want to be remembered? What do you want to leave behind? Because you can't take your fucking money with you. What legacy and impact is that going to leave behind you? So like a good example of finding or identifying to your purpose is go watch the movie Coco. Y'all know I'm a mom of three. I watched some fucking Disney movies. All right. There's a movie called Coco and it's pretty relevant to Halloween. It's about this kid who crosses over into the afterlife accidentally and connects with all of his dead ancestors. And he connects with one of his like his grandparents and it's his grandmother's dad who he's connected with on the other side. And his grandmother is still alive in the real world. And the grandmother has dementia and she's forgetting everything. So what happens in this story of the afterlife is that when no one left on earth remembers you, your, your soul then moves on to the other side. It's like you've, you're being forgotten and then you're just gone or something like that. So it's like not just operating from a space of, I want to make money. I want to make money. I want to make money operating from a space of how the fuck am I going to be remembered when I leave this life? How am I going to be remembered by how I made people feel? What am I going to leave behind for my family to build upon eight generations later? Because if you talk about generational wealth, y'all, the Rockefellers, like all the big, the Rothschilds, all the big like (laughs) names, like generational wealth, what legacy are you leaving behind? Even if you don't have kids, your nieces, your nephews, whomever, your family name, your legacy, you're not just going to be remembered as the DJ or the business coach. It's like, oh, she really helped people. Like she left an impact on people's lives. Like, oh, she changed the climate of where this industry was going or she left behind a legacy so her kids could grow up in financial security and safety and not have to worry about money. It's like, oh, my mom, or like, I want my grandkids to talk about, oh yeah, my my grandma came from nothing. But like the reason why I was, you know, able to have all these opportunities as a kid is because my grandma busted her ass or decided to go for it. You know what I mean? Like if you think about your purpose, dive deeper into what are you going to be remembered for? Yeah, I love that. I think that's that's amazing. So, okay, so on that train of thought, it sparked another question. And I sometimes get this when I'm working with women and I wonder if you've gotten this too and, and what your take on it is. So, because you used to work with women one-on-one a lot. Obviously, now you have a ton of online programs. What I loved so much when I first came to know your online persona was that you have a course called Unfuck Your Money Mindset. I sounds like exactly how I would put it, right? And so... What do you say to a woman who comes to you and says, I feel 
uncomfortable asking for more, charging my clients more, asking them to pay their invoices, et cetera. What, what do you think is going on there? How would you read that? Uh, I read into a woman who hasn't stepped into her full power of ownership of what she's really fucking good at. Take inventory, take that inventory because it's limp dick energy. And when you remember that, like you are a woman, you are made to receive. If you look at the, the sexual parts of men and women, like we are the receiving outlets here. Like we are made to receive, but we have been so conditioned in a masculine do, do, do society to like do more, do more. It's like, how can you hold better space for people, not do more? How can you uplevel your energy and leadership so that people can step into that next level with you? Your money mindset drama. Oh, I'm afraid to charge this. I'm afraid to charge that. There is someone that will pay they will pay your prices when you get better at articulating why the fuck it's valuable. So journal that out. Why is this valuable? How is this going to change their life? What will happen if they never have fucking found you? How much, how much will that cost them if they were to never find you? That's a great point. And then do you think sometimes it also stems from, I think we're kind of saying a similar thing, but one thing that I try to pull the thread on to see if this might be, you know, because there could be different things afflicting different people, of course, and generating these beliefs or propagating them so that they're continuing instead of loosening their grip on us. In my experience, in my own career, because I felt that at one point with DJ Rose, I was just like, she's charging as much as she can charge for what she's doing without going on and producing tracks, which is out of alignment with my goal of being a mother because I don't want to do it right. There were so many ifs and buts and shoulds and whatever is going on in there. And for me, I found that not wanting to charge more and feeling uncomfortable about raising prices and stuff, it was stemming from my misalignment with my true purpose and my true gifts. But you kind of said that about what is it that she's really fucking good at? Step into that right? Don't be doing this thing other here that you're mediocre at when you could be doing that thing that you're passionate at and you're fucking rock star at. Do the work to uncover that. Yeah. Because if you can't own that you're good at something, then maybe you are in the wrong industry. Right. Maybe we need to step into what your gifts actually are. Going back to the clarity question, really owning what are you here to do? What are you really fucking good at? And how is it going to serve the world? Be of service to others. You have to be. Right. Or else what's the purpose? That's what makes you feel too. That's a thing too. When you, it's not even that my, this is, oh my God, we're touching on something really big. It's that when you jump into the right thing that you believe is deeply of service to others, that all your shit about charging more and that money vibration rises. You you don't care anymore because you know that what you're doing is deeply of service. Whereas in my, as my DJ Rose past life, it was like of service, right? It did make people happy and they had fun, but it wasn't deeply of service and deeply connected to how I felt I should be serving, right? And so maybe that could be a link for some people. Dude, true. It's so powerful. Like when you step into what you're supposed to be doing, there's no part of me that could shrink. But if I'm trying to throw a pitch out at a major baseball, major league baseball game, I'd be real fucking out of my element, you know? <laughs> real insecure. <laughs> you're in a room of a bunch of women. I'm a 
I'm going to change all their lives. <laughs> That's so true. I love that. Jamie, this has been absolutely amazing. I think I know people are having breakthroughs listening to this episode. And I just want to thank you so much because it's, I've been learning too, as we're talking and I'm so appreciative of you. Thank you for having me. You are more than welcome. So can you tell all of our ladies where they can find you, where they could sign up for Unfuck Your Money Mindset or another course that you offer and where they can listen to Slay Boss Radio? Yeah. So you can find me at the Slay Coach on Instagram or the Slay School. So the Slay School is our program where we, it doesn't launch till next year, but that's our signature flagship program to help you create a passive digital asset on the internet to monetize, build out your funnels, your emails, your brand, all the things to like really sell your knowledge and skill set in the world without exchanging time for money. And we also have the money mind content. So we have a, a unfuck your money mindset is a freebie. I think you can download it for free on our website, but we also have our bigger program launching this fall for, for deeper dives into your money issues. Amazing. Thank you again, my love. All right, ladies, if you loved what you heard today, please remember to subscribe, hit five stars, maybe share it with a girl who needs to hear this advice today. We'd be oh so grateful if you had time to leave a little review too. You can add us on Instagram at Nicole Rose Stillings and at Big Queen Energy Pod. We hope we brightened your day, but that's all for now. Don't forget to tune in Mondays in the AM to Big Queen Energy, supporting you on your journey to fearless creation. 